Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I found that microphones work a lot better when the sound guy doesn't mess up. No, no, I'm just joking. That was totally my fault. <laughs> I had the thing turned off. Hey, let me just give you a couple of exciting uh, updates because not only have you been a good friend to us and we do love your pastors and their family, honestly, they, they feel like genuinely, I was at the border this morning, uh, this, whenever it was this afternoon and they said, oh, you know, you're visiting and I said, yeah, I'm a friend's uh, daughter is getting married but I said, she's like a niece, she's not really a niece but she's like a niece to me. And the lady was like, oh, that's so lovely and blah, blah, blah. You know, friendliest border person I've had for a long time, actually. <laughs> it can be a bit gnarly coming into the UK. Uh, but uh, you guys have sown into our ministry. Um, and we are so grateful for that. Uh, let me give you a couple of stories. Um, we were in South America. Um, again, we paid all the airfare for that out of what you sowed into us. So in a sense, you, you paid for us to go to South America. Um, on one weekend alone, I had the privilege of ministering to a team and a church of 40,000 people on the Sunday. Not 40,000 out there, 40,000 actually in church. Three services on the Saturday night and five on the Sunday. Um, and I'm, I'm coaching them to go, they're a single site, go multi-site. So your seed into us has help, helped us. On that same weekend, I'd recorded a message on the Tuesday that was played, that was in Bogota, Colombia, that was played in a, one of the, the great churches of Lima, Peru, that had 17,000. So your seed that weekend alone had actually reached nearly 60,000 people just on one week. Thank you. Thank you. I've just recently... Uh, gone on the board again of uh, a, a ministry that I chaired for 10 years um, called Disciple Maker in Indonesia. And he's my dear friend, Paulos Ratno. And uh, he, the, the chairman, who's also a mutual friend, resigned. And I just, and I, I, believe me, I'm not aiming to get on more boards. Um, I'm on lots of boards. And every now and then you've got to cull them. But we felt distinctly. We went there to see Paulos and Malisha. And uh, this guy is an absolute apostle. And uh, I said, if you need me, I'll come back on the board and I'll serve as chairman of the board for you. Um, not only have they planted 1,500 churches, but every year they've got the largest radio network proclaiming the gospel into the largest Muslim nation in, in the world. They see 75,000 documented decisions. 90, 99% of those are Islamic folk um, every year for Jesus. And again, that's the seed that you're sowing. So all I can say is a big thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. And it's absolutely an honor to be here with you tonight. Is that cool? Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever lost something? Ever lost something? What do you lose? You know, I lose stuff all the time. Hey? <clears throat> they, uh, the, the, the post-it note people did a survey back in... Uh, 2014, a couple of thousand Americans. And, uh, and they, they asked people what the thing that they most lost. What do you think it was? Absolutely. Top of the, yep, family feud, top, top answer. Um, what was the second? 
wallet, wallet was, phone, yeah, that's probably, phone's probably more an extension of people's arms these days. So if they cut their arm off, they might lose their phone. But apart from that, <clears throat> there were some people who confessed that they went to the store and got there and actually forgot why they went to the store. Ever done that? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Um, of course, none of you would have ever forgotten where you parked your car at the mall. My car's been stolen. I'm serious. And then you realize you're two floors up from where you actually parked it. My poor mother, I'm the eldest of seven kids. And uh, sometimes she'd go through four names before she got the right name of the right child. You can forget anything, but don't forget your wife's birthday. Just saying. And don't forget the favor of God. We've been ministering the favor of God tonight. I want to preach it. And I really think this is going to help a lot of people. Um, I, I, I think that sometimes what we call extreme as far as grace and the favor of God is actually just biblical. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. We read, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find, sorry, find grace to help in time of need. We can come boldly before the throne of God's grace because it's a throne of grace, not of judgment. We can come boldly. I got a, my son is uh, 30 years of age. They're about to have our, uh, their second son in a matter of days or weeks or something. How come Valerie's at home? Um, and he's a strapping lad, maybe six foot three or something, and he's a lawyer, and he's just one of those kids. Imagine when he was five or four or five, Imagine him coming up to me and saying, Daddy, 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 can I just have some food? How would I have felt? I would have thought, hang on, son, I'm here. what do you think I am? We laugh about that, but the truth is we treat God exactly the same way from time to time. God's your father. He actually wants to give good things to you. And so sometimes we beg him. And that shows a lack of understanding of his heart and nature toward us. Um, this, this theme of mercy and grace <clears throat> goes right through Scripture. Now, they're, 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 they kind of smush together sometimes, but they're actually different things. Mercy is the fact that we don't get the bad things that we do deserve. That's mercy. But, but a lot of us stop at mercy. We're going to heaven. Woohoo! Forgive us our sin. Woohoo! A lot of us stop right there at not getting the bad things that we deserve. But grace is the fact that we get the good things we don't deserve. So, mercy, we don't get the bad things we do deserve. Grace is we get the good things we don't deserve. And that theme goes right through. If you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one that many of you will be familiar with, I'm sure. But I don't want you just to gloss over it. I want to dig into it a little bit. It says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's mercy. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's grace. Work something up. Became sin that we, became sin who knew no sin. That's That's mercy. Become the righteousness of God. That's grace. And, and, and these two things, it even goes through the Old Testament. Can I have um, maybe, maybe uh, the, 
the, the groom, John O, why don't you come? <clears throat> and, and remind me, what's your name again? Nathan, that's right. It's your, your, yeah, yeah, perfect, good. Come up, come up, come up. <coughs> come on, Nathan, go there, John O, stand right there. Nathan, right there. So, my two victims, I mean, uh, illustrations. <coughs> I actually did this, I think, sometime previously I was here and I got them to be angels. Well, they got the short straw today, they are bulls. So your bulls, bull one, bull two. So, so in Leviticus chapter four, we read Jono is the sin offering, all right? You can see he's a bull without spot or blemish. Annie, would you agree? Yeah, totally. <clears throat> what can the girl say? So, so, so this bull, the sin offering, what actually would happen, the priest would lay hands on this bull and all the sins of the people and the priest would come onto the bull. Sorry about it, it doesn't end well. He would get killed. He would get burnt. And that's how that, that's the sin offering. That's mercy. This is not the sin offering. This is the burnt offering. Can't get, no, stay there. Can't get good bulls these days, I tell you. That's no bull. And... Uh, You're very easy to please. You're so lovely. So this is, this is in Leviticus, Leviticus 4. This is Leviticus 1. And Leviticus 1 talks about the bird offering. Now, because this bull, you're not married, are you yet? No. Good. Without spot or blemish. Very good. Joanna. The priest would lay hands on this bull. And because he was without spot or blemish, the opposite would happen. The, the perfection of the bull would come onto the priest and onto the people. And again, doesn't end well. And he would get burnt, and the aroma would go up into the nostrils of God as a sweet-smelling savour. Come close. You can, you can pull your horns down now. Sorry. <clears throat> when Jesus Christ died upon the cross, he was both our sin offering and our burnt offering. He, he was both mercy and grace. Sorry about your foot, buddy. He actually, his sacrifice meant we don't get the bad things we do deserve and we do get the good things we don't deserve. So in Jesus Christ, don't stop at mercy. Understand that that one sacrifice, that one covenant also won for you all of his grace and abundance and favour as well. Come on, give our balls a hand. He's always about rescuing us, rescuing us from in order to take us to. In Colossians 1.13, it specifically says he's rescued us from, everyone say from, from, the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to, everyone say to, the kingdom of his dear son. You know, Jesus knew we would have to, we need to remember this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul is speaking about the Lord's Supper and uh, he says, he takes the bread, breaks it, gives thanks, and says, as often as you eat this bread, do it in, come on, that was miserable, do it in, he knew we'd forget. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup, the blood of the new covenant, the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood. He, he gave thanks and drank and said, as often as you drink this, do it in, Remembrance, he, he knew he'd forget. 
So, so there is a real need for us, and I believe actually it's a huge blight on the church today. We read little snippets about it. If I asked you, do you honestly believe that, that God is t- entirely good and only wants to do good to you as a father? You mo- most of you would say, yeah, absolutely. But many of us live as if we don't believe it. We're not living. We're living with a shadow of condemnation. We're living with a shadow of shame. I know even for me as a pastor, the junk that I had to dig out of the wells of God because I allowed stuff like a ping pong ball to bounce around in my head about unworthiness and it just is junk and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's totally only taking a half of the covenant. It, we, we've forgotten the favour of God. And when we remember the favour of God continually, it is impossible for our life to stay the same. We are bound to live at an entirely different dimension when you wake up every day understanding that God is watching over you with a smile from ear to ear and can't wait to do good things can't wait to to open doors, can't wait to have favoured relationship, can't wait to pour abundance into your bosom that you might be a blessing to others. You can't can't live the same way. You you meet someone who doesn't know God, you know you've got a cheeky smile and a glint in your eye. You know this relationship is a favoured relationship. You go for a job interview. It's like like you've got an unfair advantage. Because you know your daddy in heaven has already gone ahead, ahead of you. And that if you're not meant to get it, you won't get it. But that's because he's got something better for you. That's the kind of God that he is. But I ask, how many of us live that way? When we live with the expectation, there's a, the crackling reality that heaven is for us, then who gives a rip what anyone else thinks? <laughs> Who gives a rip what, everyone, what anyone else thinks about us when the favour of God is upon us? Come with me to, uh, to, to Ephesians chapter 2. Again, it's an oldie but a goldie. <clears throat> and I just shouted my voice out a moment ago, so I apologise for that. <clears throat> Again, you, you, you've been aware of this. This is one. By grace you've been saved through faith. Notice it's not, you've, it's not through, through faith. Sorry, by faith through grace. Thank you, darling. By, it's by grace through faith. Now, that's, that's significant. It's not just pedantic. You, you've not been saved through your faith. You've been saved through the grace, and you acquire that by faith. Big difference. Big difference. I think we often live the other way around. How many times you said, oh, I wish I had more faith for that. I wish I had your faith. God's given you the measure of faith. You're not saved through your faith. You're saved by grace through faith. This word saved is an interesting one. In the original language, it's the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. In Australian language, we'd say sozo. Get a bit of sozo in you, mate. Where do you buy that? Yeah. So The word sozo, it doesn't just mean forgiven of sin. It means saved. It means mercy. But in addition to that, the full meaning of it, it's actually healing for all your diseases. It's actually the blessing and the prosperity of God. It's abundance of peace and joy. So the sozo or sozo package is both 
mercy and grace, the sin offering and the burnt offering. And if once, you, once God opens your eyes to it, you'll see that two-folded cov- aspects of the covenant everywhere that you look. I mean, in Matthew chapter 9, there was a woman who had a bleeding issue for a dozen years, 12 years. And uh, she shouldn't even have been near the crowd because she was not only um, infirm, but she was cut off from the pack. Uh, she, wasn't, uh, she was unclean, so she wasn't able to fellowship with people. So the fact she was there, she was really already uh, walking a, a narrow line. She, she, she knew that if she pushed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, then she'd be healed. Here's what she didn't do. She didn't walk around in circles saying, I must have more faith. I must have more faith. I'm, I must have more faith. <clears throat> she saw his grace and he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. You see, when you see his grace, the natural response and flow is that faith will come. He saves us by grace through faith. Hebrews chapter 12. Looking under Jesus, not looking under your faith, looking under Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. A.B. Simpson, 19th century, great man of God, great preacher. He was, uh, he was absolutely a mess physically. His heart was gone. His nerves were shot. The doctor said, you just need to, you just need to basically just retire. You just got to go into a room and sit in a rocking chair and that's it. And, and basically he pushed back on that. He says, no way. And he was believing God for healing until one day he read the scripture. Nothing was happening, incidentally. He wasn't getting healed. And he read the scripture, Matthew 8, 12. It says, Jesus himself, Jesus himself, just kept, kept, Jesus himself bore our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He had a revelation. His greatest obstacle to the healing that he was seeking was his own focus and preoccupation with his own faith. He'd become so preoccupied with having enough faith, that revelation, it's Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. As you look to his face, he looks after our faith. So how's this work? Number one, behold his face. Behold his face. What's that about? Having a little holy card. I come from a Catholic background. Little little photo of Jesus. Well, not photo. There weren't so many cameras around then. But a little, a little effigy, a little, little, oh, Jesus, oh, yeah. A little, maybe this side, a little glow in the dark, Jesus doll. Yes. Oh, Jesus, I behold your face. <laughs> Valerie and I have been married nearly 34 years. And uh, she's put up with me all that long. <laughs> and, you know, most, it's, it's so easy to start to presume on one another. Um, actually, the reason you're not here, we're fighting. And, no, no, we're not. <laughs> so easy just to, just to start to, just to take each other for granted. And I've taken recently to do something, and I can't do it with anyone else here because it's too intimate, but I just, I hold her face in a nice way. And I look into her eyes. I don't do it all the time, every day, but, but maybe every week or two. And I say, Valerie, I want you to know that you are the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me outside of Jesus. Your love for me and loyalty, I, I could never repay. It just blows my mind. Your, felt, your friendship, your partnership, as we travel the world together and help churches, you're the greatest mum I've ever known and now an incredible grandmother. 
thank you for committing your life to me over these 34 years. It's not a, it's not a, yeah, I love you, babe, and I told you you'd be the first to know if I changed my mind. <laughs> it's beyond cursory, right? It's, it's, it's a gaze. I'm beholding her face. And I'm speaking into her. So I know we've got a family. It's a family show tonight, so I won't take any more liberties. But I'm speaking into her soul. And what happens is her whole life opens up. When's the last time you spoke into the soul of God? God, Jesus, thank you for who you are to me. I would be in a gutter or dead without you. You took the heinous pain of that cross and you took it with me in mind. And God, I am eternally grateful. See the difference? That's beholding his face. You don't have to do it for four hours, even four minutes of focused attention. You walk away for the rest of the day, probably the rest of the week, with a heart that's humming with the goodness of God. When you behold him, you become changed to be like him from glory to glory. The Bible says when we see him, we'll be like him. Um, so number one, behold his face. Number two, when you do that, you sense, you feel his grace. You, you focus on his grace. And something powerful happens when you do that. And number three, the natural thing is when you've beheld his face and you've focused on his grace, you want to search his word because he is the word incarnate. He's, he's the word made flesh who dwelt amongst us. Um, and if you, as you search his word, you'll find 1 John 4 verse 19, which says we love him because he, we love him because he, first loved us and 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 you don't you know even there's similarities here with love and faith um faith hope and love it's these things these things are the most important but particularly love and faith there is a tendency in the human nature to take that on board as our responsibility now let me explain what i mean if we talk about faith and we're not talking and, and and let's say it's up to your faith well how much faith how much faith to get a decent healing these days? It's like, you're, you're metric, aren't you here? Or are you pounds? Or are you, what are you, pounds or metric, kilos? No, I didn't want to know your weight. I'm just saying. <laughs> so kilos, yeah? But, okay. So, so is two pounds of faith enough? Does that get a good healing these days? Or 50 pounds? So what I'm saying is how much... When you start going down that line, how much faith? The Bible says that faith the size of a mustard seed will get it done. Because as you see his grace, you bold his face, then faith comes. Same with love. How many have honestly thought, head bowed, heads bowed, eyes closed, I, I, I don't really love God enough? Has that thought ever crossed your mind? Like I don't really, I'm not really a good Christian. I don't really love God enough. Well, again, you go down that line, it's a dead end. 
We love him because he first loved us. In other words, the greater the revelation of his love for us, the natural overflow of that is our, love, our greater love for him. If, if it's up to your love, mustering your love to actually equate to what God's worth, give me a massive break. Like you're talking about 14,000 truckloads of love. A million tons of love is not enough. Try and carry that to church. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so this whole thing, it's, we have a response to make. We have a focus to attain. But it's out of his love and his grace that our love and our faith flow. Make sense? And you know, I, I just in this, in this whole era, there's, there's a concern from some quarters about extreme grace or, or hyper grace. And I know I might be, you know, walking a fine line here. Uh, obviously, out of a revelation of God's grace, like a revelation of a love for, uh, you know, more than you want to, you want to serve him. Because again, so, some people will say, oh, pastor, you know, it's all, all about favor and grace and means I don't do anything. Don't need to do anything. Well, no, but you don't have to do it. That's the truth. You don't, have to, you don't have to do anything. The truth is you don't do anything you don't have to do or want to do anyway. I, many years ago, for years, I've, I've worked with men, preached to men, initially out of my need. But, but I used to say, guys, oh, you know, I can't. And I, used to, I just took to saying, yeah, you know what? You're doing it. You do exactly what you want to do. Oh, no, no, but no, no, no. You, you're in control of your calendar. You do exactly what you want to do. And, and I think that, that when we understand that and we take responsibility for that, there's, there, there, out of that revelation of God's favor, we want to give more. We want to give more. I mean, I would, I would hazard a guess, and again, I'm, I'm talking to a Tuesday night crew, so probably there's not a whole lot of visit. If you are, I'll give you an opportunity just in a little while to, to, to really get connected with God. It's no accident that you're here. God brought me all the way from Australia for you tonight. But let, but let me say that, that God's heart is that we might, there are certain fundamental things that we would, that we would nail, that we'd, that we'd be generous, we'd be givers, that we'd be um, engaged in small groups. That's, 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 that's 101. It's not like, oh, gee, I can't really do that. And we, I was talking to, to Paul, we were joking together, you know, at a restaurant, <clears throat> you actually, you tip a waiter for good service. You don't tip God for good service. It's like, God, here's a fiver. Good job making the world, you know. Good job sending your son. Oh, so, sorry, God, I'll give you next week. I've only got a tenner. How crazy is that? And you get people arguing, well, do I have to tithe? straight away that says to me, when someone says that, that they've got a problem with money, which is actually a lordship issue. The truth is, even if you don't call it tithing, the new covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant. And so start at 15% and don't call it tithing. Like, like he's given us everything and we're grumbling about giving back 10% that's already his. It'd be like someone coming up to me if they borrowed a shirt or a jumper or something like that and they say, and they say uh, you know, <laughs> they wrap it up and say, 
here's the gift. What do you, you borrowed, yeah, yeah, but yeah, don't worry about that. Here's the gift. You borrowed that from me and I've been wondering it was six months ago and you've wrapped it up and you're calling it a gift. Tithe is like that. The tithe is already God's. The tithe is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So tithing doesn't even start generosity. Some of you are thinking right now, how the heck, I wish, wish I hadn't come tonight. How the heck can I afford to tithe? Friend, let me, let me look you in the eye. You can't afford not to tithe. I, I, I haven't done the numbers. Yes, up there, good on you. He's clapping. He hasn't got a job yet. Uh, <coughs> I haven't done the numbers, but most churches we work with, if, they, if, if everyone simply did what God had called them to, you say, hang on, whoa, this is a grace favour message. Yeah, absolutely. Out of that revelation of who he is, we want to be generous. If not, we probably haven't got the revelation. There's probably up to another two-thirds of people, if they stepped up and obeyed God, the church's financial problems, not that it's got problems, all the vision that, that would be needed to reach this incredible community and communities would be, would be solved. So I really do want to encourage you, not out of any legalistic thing, not out of feeling bad, but out of a sense of, oh my gosh, God, you're amazing. God, can you, and, and look, if you are having a trouble with that, ask him to shift your thinking. Often there are blockages. I know my wife, she was brought up in a, a Church of England home and her mother used to, you know, give used tea bags to missionaries and, you know, the, 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 a, big, a big day out, the minister would have cucumber sandwiches and a cup of tea on the, on the, on the veranda. Woo-hoo! And, uh, and so she, what, what got into Valerie was this mentality of, of poverty. And it started getting into me. In fact, when we had a holiday, I had some, uh, when I was in the marketing uh, pharmaceutical industry and marketing and I was about to come into full-time pastoral ministry. Everyone's in full-time ministry but I, I actually a, a, get a job in the church as a pastor and I said to Valerie, no word of a lie, this is a joke. This is true but it's now a joke. I said, honey, I don't want to save this money. I don't want to save this money. It was a couple of thousand dollars like a holiday pay. I said, I want to have a really good knees up, really good holiday, because it may actually be the last holiday we ever have in our lives. Like we may never be able to, are you okay with that? We're serving Jesus. Like, like I'm never home now. I travel 300 nights a year. God is so good. God is, if you try and work it out and say, oh, hold this back. You, like you're saying before, Pastor Christian, when you say no to God, in terms of serving, you, you say, well, I don't have to go to, I don't have to be on one of the teams. No, you don't have to do anything. But out of that revelation of who you, why would you not want to? And if you don't want to, maybe you haven't yet got the revelation. Oh, I just, yeah, I don't, I, I tried a small group some time ago. It really sucked and I, I'm not really into that. You know, I don't, I don't really want to be in a small group. When, you, when, you, when you've got Jesus resonating in you, there's something that wants to draw close to others that have got Jesus resonating in them. And if that's not the case, out of that flow of grace and love, then, then, then just cry out to God for a greater revelation of that. So rather than being something that says, woo, I don't have to do anything, you don't have to do anything. 
But out of an understanding of that, it, it, it get, it, you want to be with your other brothers and sisters. You want to actually do mission. You want to actually, you're thinking already, I haven't asked someone from ch- for, to church for a while. This week, it's going to be different. I'm going to actually, back from holidays, back from vacations, into September, I'm going to make a couple of calls this week and, and to see who, who would come on Sunday. Again, not out of, you don't have to. But it sounded like, oh my gosh, that fresh revelation of who he is. Does that make sense? Don't forget the favor of God. Don't forget the untamed, unbridled, relentless favor of the living God on you. There are some of you right now that need to know that favor. Like you really need to know. Honestly, you've it's like, yeah, I, I've, I've kind of have forgotten that. I, I got I got the mercy bit, but the grace comes and goes, and I'm just like, the favor of God. You, you, are a son of royalty. You're a son of the Most High God. You are a daughter of the King, not just the King of England the king of every king that there ever has been. And he calls you his princess. It's like, God. So, so that's, I'm not, I'm not just speaking hyperbole. I'm actually speaking down to earth truth. And yet the devil will do all he can to mess your identity up. You've got young girls looking in the mirror who are already a stick with a disease about it's an identity issue. It's a demonic identity issue. Uh, the guys are different. Guy, you know, a guy can look like that, look at them and say, "All right, <laughs> big difference, all right, big difference." <laughs> the favor of God is on you. The favor of the living God is on you. On everything you are, everyone you know through you, every bit of your finances, every bit that happens in the marketplace, every part of your ministry, all of your family, the favor, not, I'm not talking about a bucket or a, a barrel of favor. We're talking about an ocean of favor that God wants to continually wash over you. And that still doesn't do it justice. I hope that's sinking into your heart. When you get this, you, you can never be the same again. I recommend a lot of my pastor friends that I, you know, this, we're launching a new program That'll help. At the moment, we're limited to about 20 churches. You guys are one of 20 churches we work with around the world. And, uh, but I, we'll be able to help hundreds of churches. And one of the things we're going to be talking to them about is their mindset and this, this, the favor of God. Um, because, uh, like I said, it got me for 15 years of a ministry. And if you, can, if you can get unlocked in that area, it'll change you forever. I recommend, and again, I'm not saying this is doctor, I haven't even checked it with Pastor Christian. I every day read one devotional word from the Singaporean pastor, Joseph Prince. 
Again, some people get a bit scared of that. It's not the whole diet, but I'm telling you, it feeds my spirit. Every day I open that and I end up with this sense of, oh God, it was, it's a fresh reminder. It's on you version, electronic you version. If you want, if you game, just put your toe in the water, have a look, just a couple. Because so much rips us off. It rips the grace out of us and tries to get us back into the rut of religion and works. And so I think we need a lot more. In fact, I'm also, I've also worked out, and I do, a template, a daily confession that's a biblical confession. I am, I am, I am. Not, not about me, but I'm reminded, because we, the, the, we're bombarded all the time we leak all the time, and I think we underestimate what it's going to take to keep above with that revelation of who we honestly are in Christ. Okay, real quick. I'm nearly done. If you need, if you need, you need to know that favor on your life right now, there's something specific or you're just aware that you're thinking, oh, I've, been, I've been much more mercy in grace. No heads bowed, no eyes closed. If that's you, get on your feet right now. I want to pray. I want to prophesy that over your life. If you're aware that the Holy Spirit's spoken to you tonight, I need to know the favor of God in this situation or that situation, or I just, I'm much better at mercy than grace. If that's you, stand on your feet right now. Lift your hands to heaven. God, I'm standing too. I need to know continually your favour. Lord, the crack and pace we run, I need your favour every single moment of every day. And Father, I prophesy your favour over every man and woman here. Not just as some pithy little prayer. God, I pray your favour osmotically infuses their spirit right now. Father, I pray that your favour and grace and blessing explodes within them, Lord God. And Father, for that specific situation where they need to know your favour, God, I pray, I pray right now that you would just soak their hearts, saturate their hearts.